Hi everyone, we are back with another episode of our podcast allowing you to get to know people working behind the scenes of the crypto industry. Today we are joined by Philippe Goncalves, he is the chief of DeFi at Anchor. Anchor's globally distributed node infrastructure allows us to build the best possible multi-chain tools as the foundational layer for Web3, DeFi and the digital economy. Welcome to the 93rd episode of the Inside Crypto Podcast. This episode was recorded on August 25th, 2022. Today, we dive into the many business units that Anchor operates, including infrastructure, liquid staking, and their recent partnership with SS. I would like to thank my employer, Amun Tokens, for making podcasts like this happen. Please don't forget to check us out and our products at tokens.amun.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and don't forget to tune in next week where we interview someone else in the cryptocurrency universe. Hey everyone, wherever you are, I hope you are having a wonderful week so far. We are here with the latest episode of the Inside Crypto Show, interviews and discussion with regular people just like yourselves. Today we are joined by Philippe Goncalves. He's the chief of DeFi at Anchor. Anchor's globally distributed node infrastructure allows us to build the best possible multi-chain tools as a foundational layer for Web3, DeFi and the digital economy. Before we get started, I have to do the usual disclaimer, anything said by either Philippe or myself, does not constitute financial advice. Our opinions are our own and not to be connected with our respective organizations. Please, everyone, do your own research. Because it's just Philippe today, we can spend more time talking about his background. Philippe, thank you so much for your time today. Welcome to the show. Tell everyone about yourself. Yes, hello. Thank you for hosting me. So, yeah, as you said, I'm the chief of D5 Anchor. So I'm fulfilling that role for a bit more than a year. So that's mostly about leading the liquid staking strategy of Anchor and also more globally how to position Anchor in the DeFi ecosystem. Originally, I have a finance background. So used to be for eight years, a wealth manager. So basically advising wealthy people to invest in traditional finance. And then I got into DeFi almost two years ago. And when I started actually Anchor, was creating, inventing liquid staking. So that was back in December, 2020. So I was discovering DeFi at the time. And I really got very excited about all that topic. I saw it with a lot of potential, similar to a little bit like fixed income for traditional finance. I really thought it can be very relevant. Then I started to interact with protocols where integrating liquid staking, giving ideas, and then basically like that, I got to know people involved in Anchor. And then when I decided to resign from banking, I actually received an offer a couple of days later to join Anchor. It was a bit of a coincidence, but yeah, very happy to be innovating in DeFi and supporting Anchor. Very nice. Very cool. Um, I, I looked at your LinkedIn profile and you and my older brother uh, both worked for the same company at one point. Another, he's now at, oh, really? yeah, he's now at DWS. And I guess he must have seen you on a call at some point. It was like, oh, he knows who you are. That's really cool. You've mentioned how you moved from traditional finance to DeFi. Was it just the excitement that sort of propelled you into DeFi? Was there any specific memory? Like somebody, a lot of people give the answer of, oh, I bought Bitcoin at $3,000 and it went to $20,000. That was the exciting thing for me. Or what is that sort of propelling memory that pushed you forward from traditional finance to decentralized finance? Honestly, at the time, yield farming rewards were crazy. And when you then really deep dive into DeFi, like three, four hours a day on top of your like working hours uh, during the day, 
and you realize that you're very often making like insane amounts of yields. Yeah, basically you realize like I'm learning so much and I'm making more money. That's my job on top of that. that's ridiculous. And I started to realize about, okay, what about how should I report that in a tax point of view in Europe? Is it actually really safe to do yield farming or not? And I decided to travel to Dubai in holidays and I was like, okay, what if I really resign? Doesn't it really make sense to live in a financial center and paying like very high rents, pay taxes and all of that? And I thought maybe Dubai is really interesting, but I didn't know anything about it except the fact that it's pretty much tax-free for personal income. And uh, yeah, I really liked it. And basically I connected with actually quite a few people involved in DeFi in Dubai very quickly by going to a meetup. And yeah, and then I just decided to basically resign and I had some cash aside and I thought, let's just look at it like an MBA. People spend like crazy amount of money to study an MBA, even though they're already overly educated probably. And they just do that for their CV. And I thought it's similar. I'm just going to do that, learn a lot. I'm not going to pay any tuition fees. And in two years, let's make an assessment. I can always go back to finance with just much more knowledge about that innovative field. Considering to become like a consultant or about tokenomics or whatever. And then I got the offer from Anchor. And I was like, that's great. I will actually learn much faster <laughs> with all these other people involved in DeFi. And it was like really infrastructure heavy. So that was yeah a bit challenging in, in the beginning because I'm like, I have a financial background. I was not really a product manager or anything. Yeah, now a bit more than a year later, I think I really acquired really a lot of amazing knowledge in very different fields. So yeah, very blessed that things turn out that way. That is awesome that everything worked out for you that way. Uh, I like that a lot. Philip, we're not going to move on to the like the real main part of our questions today. So now I've, of course, done research in Anchor. And when I got into this space, I knew who Anchor was. But for those people who are listening to the podcast or watching this on YouTube, what does Anchor do? And what do you do as the chief of DeFi, even though you've explained it very briefly in the beginning? Yeah, sure. So Anchor is a Web3 infrastructure provider. So I will say like our core expertise, it's all about the nodes. So we started our journey by enabling developers to deploy full nodes and validator nodes and has that became quite commoditized type of business. We integrated vertically and validator nodes became liquid staking and the full nodes became a network of RPC nodes, which powers an advanced blockchain API which tend to be centralized most of the time. And we try to really decentralize the base layer of those blockchain APIs with the RPC nodes. And yeah, I will say that's really the core business. However, obviously when we integrated vertically, we then realized that a few products like consuming RPC nodes or becoming an RPC node provider is something more for developers, right? And when you are using liquid staking, it ends up being like a DeFi product, even though for us, we see it as becoming a, a liquid staking infrastructure. And we believe the Web2 companies will start offering yield products using liquid staking as an infrastructure layer instead of doing the node stuff themselves. So that's why we are still in that business. But obviously, you need to be relevant in the DeFi game to be relevant uh, hopefully in the future for more like institutional investors and companies willing to integrate liquid staking 
for their customers chasing yields. So that's why my, my part here is more focused on, on the liquid staking aspect and then also integrating and discussing with integrators and trying to basically accommodate their needs and making it easier for them to integrate liquid staking. A lot of listeners to this show will be familiar with Marinade for liquid staking on Solana and Lido for mm -hmm. liquid staking on Ethereum. Are you guys in the same ballpark? Are you trying to do the same thing? Are you just a B2B provider rather than the B2C provider? Yeah, that's a good question. So I will say like fundamentally the difference between Marinade and Lido, it's ultimately it is a people that probably, yeah, that, that did have already some exposure as a, like a staking operator and they decided to, to create the, those brands and those projects really focusing on liquid staking for us fundamentally, we're like a web three infrastructure provider. So right now is very interesting is when there is, let's say new chains want to get more traction, they're obviously considering, oh, that will be great if anchor RPC no network can support us and if they can support our network for the blockchain APIs. And uh, yeah, by the way, we also need a blockchain explorer and we have AnchorScan. It's a multi-chain blockchain explorer. We support sidechains for, for BNB chain and for Polygon, which is very relevant for scalability and gaming. So we also have a gaming SDK. And the liquid staking is something that very often comes into the conversation with these chains that want to get infrastructure support. So we can almost offer them all the basic layers of infrastructure tools that they need for their chains. So we're a bit more diversified business from that perspective. I will say related to liquid staking specifically, because we were the first ones to the market, I think we innovated quite a lot last year. For example, liquid staking, we started on Avalanche after Ethereum and basically explaining to the audience that it is very different because it is a redeemable liquid staking token. So Marinade as well is a redeemable liquid staking token. You can unstake it, which is not the case of Ethereum, for instance, for the moment. So a few months after the merge, hopefully it will be less risky. But I think on our side, we're really pushing for a crushing staking experience. So you can find right now Matic liquid staking from Anchor is available on multiple chains on Ethereum, Polygon, but also BNB chain. And we're trying to improve significantly that experience. And I will say that in terms of DeFi strategy, obviously Marinate Finance and Lido did an amazing job. They had the advantage of just having a new token, which they can incentivize liquid staking very heavily with that token because they had nothing to lose. In our case, we created Anchor in 2018. We have a token, it's not designed just to support liquid staking. We need to use it more responsibly because we have other product lines and Anchor ultimately is the currency to consume RPC calls. That's what we're currently doing. So yes, we do incentivize liquid staking, but we're trying to do it much more responsibly and really collaborating with partners a lot on the building to make sure that they're creating cool products on top of liquid staking and then making sure that if they incentivize their own product, it is consuming liquid staking from Anchor as the background infrastructure. So then we don't need to spend Anchor tokens to incentivize TVL on our side. So that's effectively, yes, more a B2B strategy. Hey, you said a lot and I've got a bunch of questions for that. You know, the word cross-chain was, I would say, in, in social media, I'm a content creator. So like in the middle of 21, people like cross-chain is the future. And then we've had reoccurring hacks because of bridges and 
in some ways cross-chain issues. How is Anchor dealing with that? Is that an issue at all on your side? How do you feel about cross-chain moving into 2023? Yeah, that's a good question. So on our side, we wanted to enable Polygon liquid staking, but staking of Matic is natively happening on Ethereum. And we had to find a way to bridge it to Polygon. So there is different ways to do it, but we decided to go through the route of creating Anchor Bridge, but Anchor Bridge is only supporting liquid staking. So obviously bridges usually are an issue because they're honeypots, right? Where you need to lock some tokens on the original chain so that then tokens are deployed to the destination chain. And in the meantime, you have all that value that is locked into your bridge. In our case, we feel a bit more comfortable to basically do that with liquid staking because we are staking the the tokens originally. So it is already linked to our smart contract. And basically, it's not necessarily adding some custodial risk to Anchor because that risk originally is already there for every liquid staking provider. There is the dependency to the smart contract. So I will say for us, we're obviously very careful with that, but we need to be as careful with liquid staking than with bridge. So I think if we're making a cross-chain staking experience, that's something that we're trying to do. And it is very important that when you're entering in innovative areas that either you have a partner that is fully aligned with you in terms of vision, right? And you have the same priorities. Otherwise, you you need to build it yourself, right? Otherwise, you will not be able to move as fast. That's one of the reasons we decided to do Anchor Bridge. And yeah, so far, I think it's going pretty well, but we still want to have a cross-chain staking experience, meaning that ultimately we want people to be able to stake Matic on BNB chain, for example, without even having to use the bridge themselves directly. Nice. So that's really what we were trying to achieve. That's nice. That's really convenient because I think a lot of regular people who jump into crypto, they're looking for that simplified experience, not having to jump through hoops to get something done. You mentioned liquid staking, Matic, and other possible cross-chain liquid staking solutions coming in the future that you're allowed to talk about. What's coming Uh, in, in that sense? Yeah, sure. We have also Ethereum available on Ethereum, but also on BNB chain. And I think the only limitation is really just the demand. We could bring Avalanche to Polygon or to BNB chain relatively quickly. So we do releases on a weekly basis. So in one week, we could release it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there is a demand on the market. So then releasing a token on the market, and then you need to think about whether there is liquidity pools for liquid staking in case people want to trade it and not wait to unstake the token and so on. So there is a few considerations that you have, but in a technical perspective, yeah, we could basically deploy all our liquid staking range to more networks if there is a market demand for it. Of course, market demand, of course, is core. I'm talking about market demand. I think no one would mistake, despite the the issues they've had. Solana as a non-EVM chain has done really well. Is that something you guys are going to move? Because you've only mentioned EVM solutions at the moment. Are you in Solana at the moment? Are you thinking about going there as far as liquid staking is going? For Solana, we do support Solana for RPC nodes. I think for liquid staking, Solana is already 
quite well represented. If I'm not mistaken, there is two or three liquid staking providers. So that's currently not really a priority for us right now. We also feel that in terms of like our existing network, we have a bit more network on EVM like compatible chains. But I think the fact that we're offering RPC nodes on Solana that can help us also to build some basically making clients potential partners, which is the ideal cycle when you have clients. And and yeah, that's not something that we're ex excluding in the future, but that's not planned for short term. Okay. And totally understandable. Like you said, liquid staking on Solana is decently represented at the moment. Marinade, of course, Lido's also jumped in. It's one of the other things I wanted to touch on, you mentioned incentivized liquid staking, right? And you also talked about yield farming in the beginning, like every first crypto person jumping in, taking all those three-digit, four-digit yields. It's, mm -hmm. it's That's also been an issue with DeFi in general, is the idea of going in, yield farming, jumping to the next place, jumping to the next place, jumping to the next place. Uh, liquid staking, the idea of double dipping in, in that sense as well. So how is Anchor creating a, a sustainable ecosystem to circumvent this issue of having yield farmers moving around just for the money and not really caring about the ecosystem? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. So I think like you need to think about the benefits that liquid staking can bring to existing DeFi platforms. And I can give you, I can give very specific examples. For example, on peer-to-peer -peer lending platforms such as Aave and Venus and Banky on Avalanche and so on. Fundamentally, they, they have one issue, which is uh, they're all stuck into incentivizing borrowing and lending up to a minimum level because they need to have a minimum level of demand, of borrowing demand. And uh, once they achieve that minimum level of borrowing demand, then they have acceptable lending interest yields that attract lending supply. The thing is, if you list liquid staking in those platforms, you basically then have a natural incentive to borrow BNB, Avalanche, Matic, and so on, because you can just liquid stake it and then you borrow it. So what is interesting about that is if you see on Matic, Avalanche, and in most chains, you will see that the lending interest is actually significantly lower than liquid staking. But that's astonishing when you think that unstaking Matic, it takes seven days, sorry, BNB. For Matic, it takes less than seven days to unstake. And it's quite strange, right, that there is such a big spread between lending interest and staking rewards. So one thing that we've been doing is uh, trying to understand there is such a big difference and, and try to foresee, okay, what if we now bring BNB liquid staking into Venus? What's going to happen to the borrowing demand of BNB? It will indeed increase, but the thing is, and it will basically hold, if you cut all the incentives, there will still be some decent reason to borrow because of liquid staking now. But the issue is that yeah, the issue basically is that it will still be very low the lending interest. So we realize that it requires a custom interest rate model. If you really want to basically trigger a convergence between lending interest and staking rewards, and to trigger that convergence, you need to take control of the interest rate model and index it to the staking rewards. So that's an experiment that we did on BNB chain, and we're now starting on Polygon with the isolated lending. 
So we created an anchor isolated lending pool on Midas Capital, and basically it is indexed to the staking rewards and the interest rate model is adjusted dynamically depending on the changes the staking rewards. And basically here in an optimal level, we will expect the lending interest to be about 20 to 30% lower than the staking rewards, which is significantly better than 80%. So that, that's one thing that we're trying to improve the capital efficiency of that and to create a natural incentive for people to then borrow BNB, stake BNB, borrow B, stake BNB, but without requiring farming rewards. Another very big capital inefficiency is liquidity pools. So when you provide liquidity to curve finance for liquid staking basically fundamentally you have two very big basic decisions i can just stake and i receive like five percent on bnb or i can provide liquidity to bnb liquid staking but then i need to have half of my tokens in bnb not earning staking rewards so then you need to compensate me for that cost of opportunity i'm giving away 50% of the staking rewards because it's not staked now. And I need to hope that the training fees and the farming rewards will compensate half of the loss of the staking rewards. And usually that doesn't happen because there isn't that much trading volume on Curve Finance when compared to the enormous amount of TVL that there is there, right? So obviously all that TVL was attracted by the farming rewards games and the convex additional tokens and so on and so forth. But so fundamentally it's capital inefficient. So what we're looking into right now is to create liquidity pools where you can actually then subsequently lend BNB, for example, in that liquidity pool so that you can earn trading fees and lending interest. So that's, we didn't invent that. It's already available on Curve. And that's the Ave pool, right, on Curve, where the stable coins deposited in there are subsequently lent to Ave to allow you to earn trading fees and lending interest. And that is very convenient, that type of partnership, because it also duplicates the TVL for both Ave and Curve. So everyone is happy. So that's the kind of thing we're trying to also achieve for liquid staking. But we needed to basically solve the problem of the convergence of lending interest and staking rewards. Otherwise, it's not very interesting. And uh, I will say the last example is, for instance, partnering with more innovative projects. So there is a new project on BNB chain called Helio Money, and they have an interesting concept of creating a stable asset that aims to be have a price that is more or less stable versus other stable coins, but it doesn't really guarantee a peg. However, it offers a native yield. And basically, it's a native yield that is extracted from BNB liquid staking. So people deposit in that kind of central bank BNB. The protocol stakes it, takes ownership of the staking rewards, and converts it into their stable asset, and then redistributes that yield to the stable asset stakers and liquidity miners. So that, that's an interesting way to convert that BNB yield into an asset that is more stable versus other stable coins. And uh, if they're incentivizing their own products, we're happy to support, right? Because that is consuming liquid staking fundamentally. And uh, I think when we discussed with that team, I think the really matchmaking, it was really that stable coins are in general, the biggest contributor of TVL in most chains. And if you want to enable yield on that market, you need to rely on the biggest source of crypto yield, which is proof of stake. And proof of stake is not accessible to DeFi unless you use liquid staking. So that's a very good partnership that is, we believe, mutually beneficial.
That's... And we're not spending anchor tokens, obviously. Yes. Also a good advantage. And that's a good way to round up that point. Moving on, because I went off the rails a fair bit over there. One of the things in our community somebody asked was like, so the news that you guys had a recent raise from Binance. What do you think Binance is seen in Anchor beyond the obvious, of course? Yeah, sure. So I think like first, it's important to maybe get the context is that we've been supporting Binance not only with BNB liquid staking and with the RPC nodes, we are the fastest RPC node provider on BNB chain, but we also heavily supported Binance application sidechains as well. And I think it is important for them, I think, to partner with a Web3 infrastructure provider that has been helping, you know, BNB chain to scale. And obviously that partnership, for example, with Helio, where it is beneficial for Anchor, obviously for Binance and having partnerships with other platforms on BNB chain is also very good for BNB chain and Binance in general. So I think it's not only one product line specifically that's allowed us to get interest from Binance. I think it's really like a already like partnership that is going on for some time and a friendly relationship. And when then the opportunity came up to make a raise, yeah, we wanted really to approach Binance and not just some VC funds. We really wanted to have a partner uh, that we believe is is important if you want your products to be supported by very relevant players in the ecosystem. Nice. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't realize you guys had partnered with Binance for such a significant period of time. It explains a lot. I should have asked this before, but uh, I, now I'm looking at my questions is... Uh, one of the things with liquid staking, like when I first got into crypto, I started mining in 2017. I'm like, oh, Ethereum, cool. And then I did not realize about liquid staking or my ETH being locked in the ETH 2.0 contract or that sort of stuff. And now I only found out about liquid staking far too late in my life. But how do we make liquid staking more accessible? Because I think the idea of putting stuff into somewhere, getting a, a liquid staked version of that thing back, is, is quite hard for new people in crypto. Is there a way to make it more accessible? I think the hard part is one, like for example, for STETH and ETH liquid staking, it is really that you're depositing ETH into a smart contract. They're giving you a, a synthetic token and it's not redeemable. I think that's fundamentally like one of the hurdles that some people might have to use it. But once you go to BNB liquid staking, Matic liquid staking, you realize that you can actually unstake. So we do see users that just stake and then they're just trying to see, okay, that's how it works. Okay, that's fine. And then they stake more. So what I think, uh, making liquid staking fully redeemable i think it's fundamentally really important in itself i will say liquid staking in itself is the easiest possible way to benefit from proof of stake staking rewards it's one click and you stake so from that level i think it's already pretty simple maybe what can help the adoption is more like the b2b like approach where if you are on i don't know these kind of platforms lately have been a bit under some scrutiny but like a blockfi i'm oh, not yes. gonna mention the other one <laughs> <laughs> but nexo swissborg and all these platforms they're amazing right because you don't need to go into DeFi, but you get DeFi yield and that's extremely convenient. It is done in a obviously more or less centralized way, but I think the fundamental issue is a lack of transparency. To generate yield, they're performing DeFi yield strategies. Some of these strategy components can be liquid staking, 
right? It can be lending interest. They all have different risk profiles and not having the full real-time transparency about those strategies is obviously an issue. But if you want to have the full-time like transparency, I think liquid staking is extremely transparent. Obviously, then enabling partners to create some strategies and other products, that will be something that will help the adoption. But hopefully they will do it in a more transparent way uh, in the future. But it's very tricky, right, to yield farm ETH or let's say, yeah, ETH maybe is a good example. Yield farm ETH on multiple chains. There is no such a thing so far in DeFi as a multi-chain yield farming vault, uh, yeah, that gives you like full redeemability, even though it's investing in some stuff that is not always liquid immediately, like liquid staking, and you need to wait a few days. It's very tricky to build that kind of products. It's literally like automated asset management, if you can get that kind of thing. I believe next year we will get there, but so far it's not yet. And as long as it, it is not fully automated, it will be difficult to make it transparent in real time. Another thing I wanted to ask is like looking at Anchor through the news, going back through press articles, it's like you guys have been doing like things at quite a rapid pace with token launches, integrations, working with customers, integrating vertically as well. The, the, the media is like, oh my God, we're in a bear market, crypto winter, slow down, a hiring freeze, that sort of stuff. Like. How are you able to move at this pace that you're moving at? I think it gives like more motivation to move faster. Honestly, like if you look at the competitive landscape and you did mention Marinate Finance, Lido and so on. For us, it's a bit peculiar because we have so many different product lines in different areas. And yes, liquid staking, Lido and so on is a a competitor, but there is also pocket network for RPC nodes. And then if you go to blockchain APIs, there is Infura, there is Alchemy. If you're thinking about the narrative of Anchor as a Web3 infrastructure provider, you will start to think potentially about Chainlink that is also perceived as one of these players, even though they have a product mix that is different than what we have. Basically in the bear market, we really see it as a very good opportunity to continue to innovate and to catch up with some competitors. And I think we're actually more motivated than ever to build even faster. Obviously in terms of hiring, we hired a lot. So we have 130 people currently. That's I think quite a lot. I think now the way that we're trying to grow more responsibly is really through partners. If we see some area that will be beneficial for increasing the demand of infrastructure services for us, we will rather share our expertise and support them to create a project, be a partner with them very early stage and they can raise funds. I think VC funds are still funding projects and so on, as long as they're good, even though that's a bit more difficult. And they can hire a team where fundamentally it's also going to support Anchor, but Anchor becomes more like a supplier uh, and they become more a client of Anchor potentially if we support them very early on. So I think that's a way to continue to grow and having more people to work towards the same goal, even though, yes, we're not hiring much more right now, not as much as a few months ago. But yeah, we're, we're very much focused on efficiency now as well. We really make sure that everyone is very productive. And if at least on my team, because we have different managers, but if I see like anything where 
some people are like showing low productivity, uh, I'm very much eager to make a switch and considering hiring someone else to replace, you know, so that we can move, move faster because yeah, now we have less flexibility to just hire more people. So we need to use resources as efficiently as possible. And I think that's good. That's very healthy actually to go through that kind of phase as well. Definitely agree with you. Philippe, I don't want to take up too much of your time, ladies. It's still the working morning for you over there. What I did want to ask is, is, and I like to ask at the end of the show, because you've said a lot of interesting things to people who are anchor holders, maybe, or they're really interested in anchor. Like what exciting things should they be on the lookout for the, in the next six months to talk about? Oh yeah, that's, I don't want to be honest. I don't want to reveal too much <laughs> Of course, like, like <laughs> because exactly. we have so, some competitors, but recently we launched the anchor token staking. So now you can basically secure RPC nodes with the anchor token staking. So this is now possible only with the anchor RPC nodes in the future, there will be more options. So you will be able to delegate stake to external RPC nodes and not only anchor ones. In terms of, yeah, we have a actually very exciting partnership with SSV network. Not sure if you're familiar, but we're going to create anchor SSV ETH liquid staking version, which nice. is going to be as trustless as possibly can do it. And uh, basically we will use SSV network for the node side to delegate the validation keys instead of relying on our own kind of system. So this is also quite an interesting partnership that we're doing, which is very also in line with the ETH merge. And then a few months after it will be, those tokens will be redeemable. So it's very exciting because then the liquidity risk of ETH liquid staking can reduce and more projects can build on top of it. So that's really something that is really interesting on our side. And then we're going to continue to push for the cross-chain staking experience. And then on the infrastructure side, I will say that's I'm not the, the product manager on that side, but we're going to continue to support and enhance the advanced APIs, which are built on top of, of the RPC nodes. So we will continue to support more features and, and networks on, on that side. I think that's the main update. And yeah, for sidechains, you will see definitely more projects building sidechains. So on top of sidechains, using Anchor as an infrastructure provider. So I think there will be more partnerships related to that. Nice. That's a lot of interesting things that people can sort of bookmark on their calendars, keep an eye out for in the future. Philip, thank you so much for your time today and morning evening for me. I really appreciate it. Last final things, where can people follow you? Are you on social media or should they just follow Anchor on Twitter and so forth? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. So Philippe Defy. So yeah, this is where I try to be a bit more active. And otherwise, you can ask questions on our social media, on Telegram, Discord, Reddit, on Anchor Staking. So we have an Anchor Staking specific channel where our community, like moderators, they're really into staking and they can really help you with questions related to staking or DeFi. Perfect. I'll put all of those links down in the podcast show notes if you're listening to this or if you're watching this on YouTube. You need to click that show more button. Philippe, final words, final thoughts, words of wisdom for people in crypto before we close out today. Yeah, sure. I will say that th there is still a lot of innovation happening in DeFi. Yeah. L look out for projects that continue to innovate during the bear market. Usually they tend to do well after when, you know, the bull market happens. So I think there is many teams that are still like heads down, really building. So there is definitely a lot of exciting innovation into DeFi. And yeah, I think that's a bit the spirit. 
spirit at Anchor, and we see the same spirit in many projects, to be honest. So very optimistic about the future and continue to expand the ecosystem. Thank you. And I appreciate those words and very inspiring for the future. Philippe, thank you again. And hopefully we can get you on in 2023 sometime, see what's going on when it comes to liquid staking and the infrastructure side. It was a really fun conversation today and I appreciate it. Yeah, th thank you for hosting me again. Really appreciate it. That's all we have time for today, folks. I'm everyone at Amun. Really appreciate you stopping by. Please don't forget to follow us on social media, Twitter at Amun, A-M-U-N, Telegram at Amun Tokens, or stop by our Discord and join in the conversation. If you are Chinese speaking, we now have a Telegram group just for you, Amun Tokens CN. We are also on Reddit at r slash Amun Tokens. Amun also puts out a monthly newsletter with the latest insights on the crypto market. You can sign up for that wonderful piece of writing on the bottom of our homepage. If you're looking for a place to call home, there's nothing better than the Amun community. Looking forward to chatting with you and see you guys next time.